0: Amen. It's, uh, it's so good to be here today. man. Let's turn to the Word of the Lord today. Amen. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Then what? Are, then we're wasting our time today. We're wasting our time if this did not happen. Verse 15, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ and whom raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. So Paul just went ahead and said it. If Christ did not raise from the dead, then I'm a liar. And I'm a false witness. And we have a problem because he wrote most of the New Testament. And if he's a liar, then a liar wrote most of the New Testament. We've got a problem here. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. There's no hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Because we know there's something after this life. We know that every man faces death. We all have to pass through that valley. But without Christ, what, what hope do we have on the other side? I'm here to say that we have hope in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he came out of the grave. Because he did rise from the dead. There is a resurrection of the dead. And if we pass through that valley, we too will experience a resurrection one day because of what he did today. Because of what he did today. Amen. Turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you may be seated today. Man, the title of my message today is, Alive or a Lie? Alive or a Lie? And with a title like that, I had to... Google the phrase, the greatest lie ever told. Sadly, in a fallen world that is held captive by sin, there was no shortage of results. Many lists, many, many lists of lies that people have told over the decades, centuries, many of the same lies on each list. And so one, the, the one that made it to become my opening illustration today was the lie of the Nazi propaganda. Adolf Hitler and the Nazis launched a massive campaign to convince Germans that the Jews were their enemies. They proclaimed that the Jews were responsible for Germany's loss in World War I. And anything that was wrong, going wrong in the nation of Germany was the Jews' fault. And they needed to be taken care of in order to fix Germany's problems. Now, we, we know how well that lie worked. Hitler reasoned that everyone tells small lies, but few have the courage to tell colossal lies, massive lies. If you have the courage to do that, and and that people will tend to believe such a huge lie, because they don't think that somebody could be so evil to make up such a big lie, and so by almost by default they'll 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 believe it because who would make such a big lie up? Who would who would be that evil? And, and so uh, it's got to be somewhat true, if not true, to to be such uh such a lie. And the big lie theory states that no matter how big the lie is, people will believe it if you repeat it enough times. If you keep repeating the lie after lie after lie, the same old lie, pretty soon people are going to believe it. And because the Germans believed the lie, over 6 million people, 6 million Jews were exterminated in World War II. And not only that, but millions and millions of soldiers lost their lives in World War II because of a lie. And so what defeats a lie? What defeats a lie? Truth. Truth will defeat a lie. Truth is what proves that a lie is a lie. And you have to keep lying To continually build up that lie and to support that lie and to, to reiterate that lie, you have to keep on lying. But truth doesn't need any support. Truth doesn't need your help at all. Truth just stands all by itself. Truth is all alone because truth can defend itself. Truth just stands there. Truth is impartial. It does not take sides. Truth is not fluid, it does not move by the weather or by the day. Truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And truth is truth, and it will cut through any lie, and it will cut down any falsehood. And that is why we need and you need to know the truth. You need to believe the truth, you need to walk in the truth, and you need to live in the truth. Because you'll never be on the wrong side if you follow truth. Never be on the wrong side. There may be more that uh, are against you, but if you're on the on, on truth side, you're on the right side. And that's what happens too many times is peer pressure and all kinds of persecution or pressure get people to leave the, the truth side and go where the masses are because they don't want to feel that persecution or that pressure. But as long as you stay on truth's side, you're going to be on the winning side. Why? Because truth is going to prevail. Truth always prevails. And I'm glad to know that we have the truth and we hold on to the truth, that we live the truth and that we preach the truth. And we've got to stay on truth's side because that is the right side. And that goes for churches too. Churches are packed today. But sadly, not every church preaches the truth in its entirety. 95% truth is still 5% false. People shouldn't judge a church by its size, its building, how well they can entertain you, or whether it's got colored lights or smoke, or whether or not the children of light love to worship the God of light in complete darkness. I'm not, I don't understand that. Seems a little strange to me. Why would you want to come and worship in darkness when God brought you out of darkness? I want to worship the God of light in light, right? That's what revelation is. That's what truth is. It brings light to a dark world. And so uh, the church you should decide to go to should be judged by its doctrine and how much truth it preaches what good is a Cirque de Soleil church if it only tells you 5% of the truth? Yeah, it might be entertaining, but that's that fades. That goes along. That, that fades away. What stands and what's most important is truth. What kind of truth are you preaching? How much truth are you preaching? And, and how much are you telling us? And don't let the smooth-sounding sermon swindle you either. Because the Bible says in Philippians 2.12, for you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I can't save you. I can only work out my own salvation. I can't save anybody else. You are responsible for your salvation, so you have to work it out. And so if you wake up in hell because of a preacher and a church misled you, The only person that you can blame is yourself. As much as you want to point the finger at that preacher, the Bible says you need to search the scriptures. You need to work out your own salvation. You have to discern the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? Because there's a lot of people out there that'll tell you a little bit of truth, but they won't tell you the whole truth. Jesus said in John 5 39, search the scriptures. For in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Because truth is not hidden. Truth is in here, and eternal life is in here, but you've got to look for it. You've got to search for it. You've got to find it out. You've got to listen to what the preacher says and say, hey, does that line up with everything that's preached in here? How well does that line up with the whole truth? Yeah, verses will line up, but how does that verse compare with every other verse? I can pull out a verse and it could sound great and you could live your life, build your life on one verse, which is good. But you got to compare it all to all the other verses and how it all, how it all plays out in context. And so don't just tell me one verse. I need to hear all the verses, all the good ones and all the bad ones. Why? Because the bad ones will keep me coming to church. I want to experience the blessings of God, all the good things, but I need to hear all the bad things that I don't need to be doing. And maybe if I am doing them, I need to feel that conviction of the Holy Ghost to say, hey, you need to stop doing those things. You need to repent and turn from that and turn to God. That's what truth will do. And if everything is sugar-coated, nobody feels conviction, nobody feels wrong. We're all living a great, blessed life, but we're missing parts of the truth. John 8, 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Jesus says, I'm glad that you believe, but you need to keep on going. Believing is just the first step. Believing is not is not going to get you all the way. Believe. I'm glad you believe, but you need to continue in my word. I'm glad that you believe, but you also believe the weatherman. And he ain't never right. And yet we still What does he say? He's failed me every day. What does he say today? We believe the weatherman. So if you believe... Then Jesus said, you need to continue in the word. Continue, that means keep growing, keep searching the scriptures, and then you'll become my disciples. In verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Only truth has the power to set you free. Why? Because truth keeps cutting away at all the lies, at all the misguided traditions, all those empty promises. Only truth can set you free. Truth will deliver you from those burdens. Truth will set you free and make you free. And so what you need most in your life today is truth. And truth is not just the Scriptures. But John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what happens is, Scripture put on flesh. Scripture put on this flesh, and He took the form of a man, and He came down to the earth, and He walked in the earth in the man Christ Jesus. So truth. Is not just scriptures, but truth is now a person because scripture manifested itself in the earth. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. And so let me repeat what I said. What you need most today is truth. And so what you need most today is Jesus. He is the only one that has the power to set you free. Only Jesus can do those things. Why? Because he alone is truth. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, only one throne, and only one who sits upon the throne. That is Jesus. Today is the most popular and most exciting day in Christianity. It's even, it should be more exciting than Christmas. Christmas is when he was born. Today is when he rose from the dead. We should be getting our Christmas presents today. We should swap things around. This is, this is better than Christmas morning. Why? He came out of the grave today. He proved everything that he said, that he is truth, and nothing can hold him down, not even death, not even the grave. This is greater than Christmas morning. Why? Because it is who he said he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Christians should have all their presents on Easter morning. And we'll ship the the bunny and see how much the eggs they lay in winter. And sadly, what does the world talk about bunnies and, and eggs, chicks? This is the greatest day in all of Christianity, Easter Sunday. Even though churches open their doors every week, multiple times per week, today Easter Sunday is the day. That those that are Christians and who profess to be Christians will darken the doors of a church. And rightfully so, because today is the day. Today is the day is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Today is that day. Easter is what validates and verifies that Christianity is the one true religion. That worships the one true God. Because let's face the facts and confess it today that the death of Jesus Christ did not bring us here today. The birth of Jesus Christ did not bring us here today. Because Jesus' death doesn't make him any different than any other man or woman. One day you'll die too. I'll die too. Jesus died. Everyone dies, right? We're all appointed once to die. And so Jesus's death didn't separate him. Only the fact that he was sinless, uh, but it doesn't separate him from any uh, uh, other prophet of God or any other religious figures. The prophet Muhammad of Mecca was born and he died. Buddha was born and he died. Confuci- Confucius is confusing. He born and he died. You don't need to worry about his name. He's still dead. Joseph Smith, he died. He was born and he died. Prophets, pharaohs, popes, all have born and all have entered the grave. But what separates Jesus Christ from everybody else, every other religious figure, is that he was born and that he died, but he did not stay in the grave. Because three days later, he came running out of the grave, holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And that is why That is why we are here today, because he came out of the grave and everybody else stayed in the grave. No other prophet can come out of the grave. Only Jesus Christ has come out of the grave, because death could not hold down my God. Death has no power over him. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? That is why we're here today. Because everyone else tried to get out of the grave and they're still trying. And only Jesus says, hey, I'm out three days. Beat that. If their religious figure is still in the grave, then that tells me that he's just like another man like you and I. But Jesus was more than a man, he was God incarnate, he was the Word. Wrapped in flesh, he is the creator, he is the one and only God. And and prophecies of old told us who exactly he was, Isaiah 9 and 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Son is the Father, the Baby is the Father, the Prince of Peace. When God robed himself in flesh, he didn't just come proclaiming something that he wasn't. And the best way to prove whether you have any sense of what you're talking about is to go to the grave. Let's see, what ha- let's see how you handle death. Let's see if you can come out of the grave, Mr. Religious Guy. So death is the separator of persons. Death will make somebody a liar who is claiming to be God. But death will also point to the one who is God. Because death has no power over God. And that is why we are here today, because death said, I can't hold this Jesus in the grave. I can't hold him in the grave any longer. I can't keep him down here. I don't have power over this man, because this man isn't just a man. He is God himself. And a God that comes... And takes my place upon the cross. A God that bears my sins. A God that takes my punishment and dies in place of me is worthy of my life. Is worthy of my praise. Is worthy of my worship. And that's why we're here today. Because Jesus arose from the dead. He took our place and he's alive. And he sits upon the throne. And he deserves all praise and all glory. And he deserves our life. And as far as I know, none of us were around back then to witness or verify this claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Brother Buck, I'm not going there today. It's Easter, I'll give you a break. So either we believe and know that Jesus is alive, or we are believing a lie. See, when Mary and Martha returned that Sunday morning from the tomb of Jesus, they were declaring a message that Jesus' own disciples, they wanted to believe so badly. They wanted to believe that. That Jesus had risen from the dead, but just sounded, sounded like a big colossal lie. Luke 24 and 9, And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. Verse 11, And their words seemed to them as idle tales. They believe them not. Even the apostles said, "Man, that's that's kind of going out there, Martha. That's that's a big lie there, Jeez. It's an idle tale. I I want to believe it. Trust me, I want to believe. We all want to believe it. We walked with them for three and a half years. We want to believe that. It just that's stretching it. The apostles couldn't believe it." And they were the ones who are walking with Jesus for the past three years. And they had a hard time with the news that Mary and Martha were delivering. And What is most amazing is that Jesus, before all this happened, Jesus even told the apostles that this was going to happen. He told them this was going to happen. And when it did happen, they still couldn't believe it. Matthew 16 and 21, and if you're following us on Thursdays, this will stand out here. Matthew chapter 16, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Right there next chapter Matthew 17 and they shall kill him and the third day he shall be raised again and they were exceeding sorry sorry about what sorry about what that he was going to be killed yeah that's bad news but that's not that's something to be sorry about but that's not all he said You're just taking one little piece of what Jesus said and forgetting about the rest. You're just grabbing a hold of 10% of truth and forgetting about what the rest of the scripture says. What did Jesus say? He said, what about being raised to life on the third day? Were they sorry about that too? No, because they didn't hear that part. They didn't even hear that part because if they did, then their sorrow would have been turned into joy immediately because, yeah, you're going to be killed, but wait, what did you say three days later he's going to rise from the dead? Oh, there's nothing to worry about here. No need to be sorry, yeah. The first few days will be sorry, but Jesus will be alive on the third day. But clearly, clearly they didn't pay attention to that part of the Scripture, did they? You see how important it is not just to take one part of a verse and run with it because you'll be sorry just like the disciples were and you're missing out on the greatest news that on the third day he's going to rise again from the day. With, With just one piece of truth you can be exceedingly sorry. But with the whole truth now that mourning can be turned into dancing. Now that heartache and pain can be healed and mended just by knowing the whole truth. Everything that Scripture says, all of it that it says, partial truth, will leave you hanging. It will leave you hurting. It will leave you incomplete and unfinished. That is why Jesus told those who believed, continue in my word. Then you will be my disciples. I'm glad you believe. You're here on the front door. You're at the front step. I'm glad you believe, but continue in my word, and then you'll be my disciples. It's great that you believe, but there is more more available than just that. You need to receive it. There is more to believe. uh, There is more to it than just believing. There needs to be a continuing. There needs to be a growing. There needs to be a searching of the word and scriptures, because when you do that, then you become disciples. Notice he, it, the, the scripture says he told the Jews that believed him. He didn't say, well, it's a good job. You're good. You're good. You believe, you're good. What did he say? Continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples. And so know the truth, and then the truth will make you free. Had the apostles kept searching the scriptures and, and searching the words that Jesus was saying, instead of weeping over what little truth they had, if they would have continued, then on the third day they would have been having a feast and a, a celebration like we're doing today all day long. Why? Because we know all the truth. We know that he said on the third day he's coming back. And so what are we doing? We're making great feasts and having a great lunch. Why? Because of what the whole truth says. He, did, he didn't say he's just going to die and that's going to be it. He said, no, the third day I'm coming back. And so, yeah, the first two days were difficult. They're sad. They're sorrowful. But the word declared to us that the third day, he'll be walking out of that grave. And so the start of the third day would be the time that they should have started rejoicing. As soon as the sun cracked open, hey, today's the day. I remember Jesus saying that. Today is the day, the third day. It's time to rejoice. It's time to sing. It's time to dance because the word says he's coming out on the third day. And what did the angels have to do to Mary and Martha? The angels reminded them of what Jesus told them in Galilee. The third day he's coming out. And they said, oh, yeah, we remember. And then they ran and told the apostles. And they said, nope, I ain't believing that. And so today, the third day, is the the day to rejoice and sing and dance because the truth has made us free. The truth has set us free, free from lies and unbelief, free from heartache and pain, free from heaviness and sorrow. Only truth has the power to do that. Only the Word of God can do that, and only Jesus can do that. And that's why we're here today, alive or alive. So Martha and Mary come back with this great news about the third day, and nobody believes them. Now that goes to show you. I mean, Martha's not just gonna. Mary and Martha are not just gonna collaborate on some kind of story and, and come to the apostles. I mean, they they were with them as as much as the apostles were. They were they were really a close knit group. And so they should have on on Mary and Martha's credibility. They should have said okay. Well, we see here in verse twelve of Luke twenty four. Then arose Peter, and ran unto the sepulcher, stooping down, and he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves. And departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Peter had to run out and see it because he was when Jesus was telling this truth, he was too busy talking. Peter liked to talk, and he liked to think he was he was uh, the big shot. And he got uh, sat down a few times. But Peter was probably talking when Jesus was saying this, so he's like, I gotta run out there and see myself. He ran to the tomb because he had to see it for himself. He had to experience it himself. And the same was for the other apostles. I need to experience that. If, if Jesus is alive, I need to see some kind of proof. I need to experience this resurrection. And that is what each of us must do. Search the scriptures. Continue in them and experience the truth for yourself and work out your own salvation. Because you see, uh, I can get up here or another preacher can get up here and say, if you don't repent of your sins, you will likewise perish. If there isn't a change in your life or a turning uh, away from the life that you're living and a turning to the life that Jesus has for you, then you will die in your sins and you will wake up on the other side tormented in a devil's hell for all of eternity. You can hear that, and maybe you've heard that. And you might think, well, that sounds like an idle tale. That sounds like an idle tale. It sounds like a big lie. It sounds like it's a big lie that the churches are using to control people and to get them to give money. People say that. Well, well I'm, I'm just a nice person. God's not going to send a nice person to hell. I've heard that many times, too. Maybe you have as well. Well, have you searched the Scriptures? As Jesus said, have you continued in the Word? Because I can assure you that nowhere does it say that. Just be a nice person. If you're nice, that'll suffice. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Not in my translation. Not in any of even the most craziest translations doesn't even say that. No, what does it say? It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all guilty of sin. We're all guilty of transgression, uh, God's righteousness. And it says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And it does say that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive you of your sins. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that the Word tells me, hey, I'm guilty. But if you confess, God will say, I forgive you. I'll give you a new start. I'll wash away all those sins. It does say if you repent of your sins, that all of heaven starts rejoicing. So repentance, telling God that you're sorry. For all the sins that you've committed. And don't even waste your time trying to name them all. Because you can't. It's impossible. That's one thing that's impossible. You can't name all your sins. There's so many of them. All you got to do is just say, I'm a sinner, God. I I confess. You got me. I'm a sinner. And and, uh, you tell God you're sorry. Repentance is not a big lie. But it is something the Bible says that everybody must do. And if you continue in the word, you will find out that the scriptures also say that if you are not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that. Jesus said that. He knows what he's talking about. It's his kingdom. It's his heaven. I know that's harsh. And I, not, I know not every church preaches that truth, that you must be born again. But if you are not born of the water, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, that's what born of the water is. If you're not born of the Spirit, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, then you're not going to make it. Don't hate the preacher. You talk to Jesus about that. Those are his words. You must be born again. Well, that, that sounds again like another idle fable. Uh, I've been to other churches and all they, they say that I have to do is to accept Christ. As my personal Savior, and I I fill out this decision card, and I turn it in, and they email it to Heaven's Gatekeeper, so I'm good. My registration's already up there. I'm good. And you're telling me that I need to be baptized in Jesus' name? You're telling me that I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'm saying that's what the apostles preach. I'm saying that's what they told everybody they need to do. That's what they did themselves. And that's what we're still preaching today. We're not changing the message. We're not changing the truth. The truth is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And we're going to preach the truth. You must be born again. You need to get baptized in Jesus' name. Not in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but in Jesus' name. And you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you need to continue in the word. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying you need to do. Because that's what I have found searching the scriptures myself. But again, you don't take my word for it. You look for yourself. You read the scriptures yourself as we are commanded to do. Musicians, if you would come. Acts two thirty eight, then Peter said unto them, the apostle, the one who got the keys of the kingdom, the first message of the church, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as the many of the Lord our God shall call. Now, if God is not is done calling people, then we should just go home, right? What are we doing here if God didn't call us here? The Bible says we're, we're drawn by the Spirit of God. Somehow we showed up here. That's God. That means he's calling people. And if God is still calling people, that means there's still a promise available for you, and that is the power of the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized. You need to repent of your sins, and God will fill you with his Spirit. This is what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. But even Apostle Paul, the one who, who we wrote, read uh, his opening text where he says, if, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then I'm a liar. That guy who wrote most of the New Testament. He said, he was also preaching the message, the gospel, and he wasn't preaching from a stool or some other message. He was preaching the same, exact same message that Peter preached. We see in Acts 19, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard the whether to be any Holy Ghost. You see, they're holding on to their truth that they've heard, which is great. It's great you got to believe and you got to hold on to what you receive. But what did Jesus say? Continue in my word. And and so they they hadn't even heard. Their church hadn't been preaching about the Holy Ghost yet. But they've been faithful. Uh, Obviously John's uh, disciples. And verse 3, and he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And then Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, That they should believe on him which should come after him and that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this... They were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Hey, there's truth speaking. I need to align myself with truth. And I, would, I need to get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because I haven't done that before. And if the apostle's preaching that, if the preacher's preaching that, then hey, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so I'm going to say if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name or you've been baptized, you don't even remember how what went on. If you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's not what Peter preached. That's not what Paul preached. They said, baptize in the name of Jesus. Why? Because that is a name that is above every name. Every knee is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you haven't been baptized today, today is a really good day to do that. Why? Because it's the, name, the day you can take on the name of Jesus. There's the resurrection day. How about coming out of that grave a new person? Coming out of the water with your sins washed away and a fresh start. Just like Jesus did coming out of the grave, you can have a new start today. We've got the baptismal tank. We've got nice warm water. We've got robes. Amen. there's no reason for you not to do that today. And so if you want to get baptized, you let somebody know. You let me know. We'll do that because the Bible says to do that. It's not a big lie. It's not an idle fable. It's a lie. It's it's the truth. Amen. And so in verse 6, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. How do they know the Holy Ghost fell on them? All of a sudden they heard something. They heard some somebody saying something. The, they started speaking with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them the others. Amen. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's getting baptized with the Spirit, born of the Spirit, born of the water, born of the Spirit, right there. That's some 20 years, 20 years after the after Peter's preaching. Same message. Paul didn't change things up. Paul says, hey, you need to repent. You need to get baptized in Jesus' name. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. The same message that Paul preached 20 years twenty years later is the same message we're preaching 2,000 years later. I'm not truth. I can't change truth. I can't add. The only thing that I can do, I can add a man's twist on things and when man starts getting their hands on truth and starts twisting it then it then it starts losing its its uh, its potency because truth is 100% I put my hands on it and greasy hands on it, and then all of a sudden I start changing things. Well, let's reword these things. All of a sudden, it's no longer 100% truth because Phil got his hands on it. That's why you need to hold to the Word of God the unchanging, forever settled in heaven Word. Amen. That's why you got to search the Scriptures because so many people out there are with a microphone and they add their own twist to things. That's why you got to hold your preacher accountable. Hold them accountable. Amen. And so, and they these these people that Paul encountered, they said, "Well, that's either that's either true or that's a lie. Either it's true or it's a lie." And what do they say? Well, we'll, we'll just we'll we'll find out for ourselves. And I'm sure they, they realized it was truth once the power of the Holy Ghost hit them. And they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. They well, we ain't never feel anything like this before. That's gotta be true. Why? Because God's gonna back up his word, God's gonna back up the truth with, with miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. God can do that. Why? Because he is truth, he is more than just a man, but he is God, and he is alive forevermore. And that is why we are here today. You stand with me today. The Apostle Thomas goes by the name Doubting Thomas. What a poor guy. They, were all, they all doubted, right? Somehow they got stuck on him. Doubting Thomas. Because Thomas said, I can't believe it until I see him with my own eyes. Until I see the nail prints in his hands. Until I thrust my hand into his side, I cannot believe that he rose from the dead. And so Jesus appeared to the apostles on the first day of his resurrection. Later that day, after they didn't believe it and after Paul ran out, the Bible says that that later that day Jesus appeared to them. But Thomas wasn't there. He's probably out getting lunch for everybody and he missed it. He wasn't there with them. And for eight days, eight days, the apostles were telling him, Thomas, it's true. Thomas, I saw him. You were there with me, Thomas, when we first heard the news. We all said no. And now all of a sudden, ten of you guys are now saying it's true. It's true. It's true. It's not a lie. It's not an idle fable. It's true. For eight days, they've been saying that Jesus is alive. Thomas still what he said. "I, I can't believe it. The Bible says on the eighth day, Thomas was with the rest of them, and Jesus just appeared. Jesus walked through the wall. Jesus showed up there in the midst of the apostles. He walks in. He says, peace be to you. And then he turns and looks at Thomas. He says, go ahead, Thomas. Go ahead. Go ahead, touch if you want. Go ahead and stick your hand in my side. And what does what Thomas said? He says, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You're alive. It's not a lie. You're alive right here in front of me. I see those nail prints. I see those scars. I see your side. I don't have to touch you, Lord. Help my unbelief, God. My Lord and my God. In John uh, John twenty twenty nine, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. We're blessed because we're here today. Why? Because we believe. We be- we haven't seen him walk through a wall. At least I haven't. But yeah, we believe that it's not a lie. That Jesus is a He is alive. You see, I grew up in the church. I grew up hearing all of these. But it never really hit home until I stepped out of my seat and I walked down the aisle of faith. Said I've heard these things and I know them all. I never experienced it myself. If it's true, then I've got to experience it for myself. I've got to know myself. We're all like that. When you're young and dumb and your parents and your elders tell you not to do stuff, like, you experience it yourself and you realize, man, I wish I would have listened. Grew up in church hearing all these things. And I can tell you about my encounter. And they can tell you about their encounter. And she can tell you about her encounter. And he can tell you about his encounter. But there comes a point where you have to decide. You have to decide, is it all a lie? And more and more people are getting in, telling me this is uh, going along with the same story. Or is all their stories kind of matching up? And Jesus really is a lie. Is this Holy Ghost thing that they talk about, being filled with the Spirit of Almighty God and and speaking in other tongues, and and is it really as life-changing as they say it is? We can have people tell you all day long about it, but you're going to have to experience it for yourself. And once you do, then you'll know this is not a lie. This is the real deal. This is real. This is truth. Why? Because I've experienced it for myself, The spirit of God came into my life. I obeyed scripture. I was baptized in Jesus' name and my sins are washed away. Romans 8.11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you think about that for a second. The spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. Do you know what kind of power that has to be? What kind of power has to be in order to do that? We all have our problems. We all go through things in life. Many of them are tough, tough battles that we feel like we barely overcome. But nothing is more difficult to you and me than death. Because every person that I know that went into the ring with death hasn't come back. They've always lost. We have a lot of hard things in life, but we, the greatest thing, the greatest battle, the toughest battle that you and I face is death. Because death because of sin is the greatest battle we will ever face. And everyone has lost that and that is why the apostles didn't believe it. When Mary and Martha came and says, he's not dead. He's not dead. He, he raised from the dead. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody, can, nobody has the power over death. Nobody, everybody's still in the grave. And they said, he's alive. And it's not a lie that he is alive. And and, and when you receive the Holy Ghost, that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is now living inside of you. Your biggest battle just got taken care of. Your appointment with death may still come. But death is not going to have the final say over you. Why? Because you got that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And if it can raise Jesus from the dead, it will also quicken your mortal bodies. And one day you'll be alive again. One day you'll be walking around on streets of gold with a new body that God had made, resurrected body. All because of the spirit that you received. Now, if the Holy Ghost can beat death, what can it do for all those problems you're dealing with now? The Holy Ghost already whipped up the, the hardest thing mankind ever can face. If it already won the toughest battle ever, what can the Spirit of God do in your life today? Some of you are facing some hardships and, and it's you're, keeping, you're fighting and, and you're not sure how you're going to make it through. I'll tell you how. You need to get Jesus in your life. You need to get the Holy Ghost flowing in your life because Holy Ghost already defeated death. What is this thing against death? What does this thing have over the power of me? Some of you are dealing with heaviness. Some of you are you dealing with pain and heartache and depression. Some of you are dealing facing giants and facing devils. What you need today is the Holy Ghost. That is the answer to it all. And the Holy Ghost is Jesus. You need to get a hold of Jesus. You need to get a hold of truth in your life. Because the truth will make you free once you understand him, once you know him. He can take care of all your problems, but you need to get him today. And so today as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, I think it would only be appropriate, and I think this is what Jesus wants, I think he wants every one of you, every one of us, to have our own resurrection, to walk out of here a new person. Walk out of here in the newness of life. Only the Spirit of God has the power to do that. And that invitation is for everybody. We all need to identify with Jesus today. We celebrate, yeah, thank you, Lord, for dying. Thank you for being raised from the dead. But then Jesus says, okay, I did it. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You die. You repent. You get buried in the waters of baptism with me. And I'll fill you with my Spirit raise you up a new man, a new woman, just like the Spirit of God raised up Jesus. And so if you haven't been baptized today, I invite you to do that. I invite you to do that because that is a critical part. You need to repent of your sins, tell God you're sorry for all that you've done. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, what better day to get filled with the Holy Ghost than on Resurrection Day Easter Sunday where the spirit raised up Jesus from the dead, that same spirit will dwell in you. And See, the greatest lie that has ever been told is that you'll be okay without Jesus. That you'll make it without Him. That you'll make it without the Spirit of God in your life. And I'm here to tell you that that is the lie. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And we know that Jesus has already conquered death, hell, and the grave. And so we're going to celebrate him. We're going to worship with him today. Come on. I want to invite you today. If you want to step out, fo- step forward, step out in faith and say, God, I want a new start today. God, I want to be uh, baptized with your spirit. God, I need something to deal with in my life. I know your spirit has the power to do that. Come on. Would you come today? Would you come and experience it for yourself? These altars are open. Come on, let's come and worship the Lord. Let's come and celebrate Hallelujah. what God has done today
1: and what He's going to do. You have the come on, let's continue victory. in His Word. Continue worshiping Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Let's worship Him
1: today. You have one. Repent. Death could not hold Just you. Cry out with him down. right there say, God, forgive me. No, forgive me of my you sin. Are the risen king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, you are seated in majesty. Lord, well, he's seated in majesty. You are Lord. You are the risen
0: king. Whatever problem you have, he can so take care, care of it
1: today.